The Legacy of the Wizard Long, long ago, an evil dragon terrorized the forest until it was imprisoned by a powerful wizard. Now, years later, the dragon has revived, and it's up to you to use the power of the wizard's descendants, the Drassel family, to defeat the dragon once again. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. Did you guys get all that at the beginning? Like, does, did, was that not enough information? Too much information? <laughs> yeah, I think it was pretty good. I mean, that, that this is one of my favorite. Uh, this is one of my favorite instruction booklets for its, uh, its story. Um, but you, you really did get most of like what what makes it great yeah it's quite a long back of the box compared to uh compared to most because there's no like there's no stopping point they just it's like plot 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 like they never let you like take a break and be like oh that that's enough like that's not that's enough to give the the person an idea of what the game is it's like you really have to read the whole back of the box to understand what you're playing (laughs) i actually think it's kind of funny that it's interesting that more games don't do that because the only, you know, the the most common precedent to this would have been like books. And I feel like the back of books have like a whole long synopsis, but games don't usually do this. I mean, I mean, a lot of them are, have something like this going on, I think. Uh, unless you mean specifically how much story is told in the back of the box. And yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, usually there's like, it's usually like, Break the boxes and defeat the evil lord. <laughs> what, do you remember that game? Everyone remembers that game. <laughs> yeah. Bowser is the evil lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Legacy of the Wizard, and yet you play as many characters. Well, it's because you, you're all the legacy of the wizard. Like, you, uh, you are his spawn. Yeah, like the wizard being the, the grandfather, right? Whose picture's yes, on the yeah. wall? The one I mean, who's he's also just still standing there. there. Yeah. Uh, what about wait a minute. Prison? No, he's in, he's yeah he's in prison. That that wizard that that it's the legacy of that wizard, not your grandfather. I'm talking about the one long long <laughs> ago when the dragon was there. The the wizard that wizard is the legacy. I could have yeah, sworn the wizard yeah, is your grandfather. Yeah. The the the, the grandmother tells the story <laughs> and the says, story. Like, "See that picture? That is your grandfather." See, I didn't get. I guess I didn't get that from the back of the box because <laughs> I'm reading it and I'm thinking like, well, that happened a long time ago, and now like you know, centuries later, the descendants <laughs> of that wizard have to like you know retame this dragon. I, I get what you mean because in the manual, like uh, they start two paragraphs with a long, long time ago <laughs> and long, long ago, uh, but it's really just like you know, two generations. Um, because at the end of that, they say that the wizard is your grandfather, um, and uh, I think uh, now he—I don't know who that like she's speaking to. Because your grandfather's there, like he's—he's he's the one that like gives you passwords and stuff. So uh, I don't know if they're just pretending he's not around. I don't know. <laughs> well, you can't play as him or grandma, really. They're just password boxes. But yeah. uh, the rest of the family is completely playable, and I'll tell you, I didn't expect to play as a family 
in this game. <laughs> I'd say I'd say the same. Uh, it's, it's a it's a neat little trick to give context to why there are multiple characters. But uh, yeah, playing as a as a mom and then a daughter is uh, <laughs> it's, it was funny funny to me. And this is the story of the Drassel family, as mentioned in the back of the box, and we're talking about this family a lot, but did you know that Drassel like that is just an abbreviation for Dragon Slayer? Do you guys know about the Dragon Slayer games? I've heard Uh, of them. I have not. Well, It's a a really lazy way to um, make that the name of a family, though. No, no, come on. Japanese people love doing that stuff where they they shorten, uh, you know, like names of things to then bring them down to to be like that's the crazy reveal or something obviously it doesn't work here because they completely ignored the fact that this is a dragon slayer game because i think this is the fourth dragon slayer game uh that would ever come out but they're just like now nah, we'll just call it legacy of the wizard in america hold on this actually is a dragon slayer game or are it, you this is a dragon funny? slayer game i'm not joking at all um, oh i didn't know that yeah and that's why they're called the drassel family but in the in the credits of the game they're they're given the last name Warzen. So what happened to the Drassel family? Warzen is that like answer backwards? It's, you know the the Dr- the Drassel family of House Warzen, or you know something like that. I don't know what that's about, but I think that's like a funny <laughs> like it's like a half commitment. It's like it is a Dragon Slayer game, but it's also not all in the same game. Huh. My head hurts. Sean, you mentioned the manual, and it is a good one. The story of this game is is mostly explained entirely in the manual. There's very little, if anything, in the game to really give you any additional context. So did you feel like the manual was enough in terms of storytelling? I never feel like a manual is enough in terms of storytelling. Um, I, the only reason that I appreciate this one is because of how how terribly written it is, but... Um, th- that doesn't mean it's any good. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like the only time I would say uh, I, a manual would suffice as being the only means of storytelling is if like the story literally like is, just doesn't mean anything. If it's just like a if it's just like a random shmup that doesn't have much of a story, but then there's like a little bit of like oh here's a little aside, a little extra thing in the manual if you want to read it. But like this game seems like big a big part of the adventure is the story of the adventure so it would have been nice to have it like included in the manual especially like today i mean i if someone picks up this game i mean how many people google the manual anymore you know or like just just or even have the you know have the physical manual it's probably not a lot of people reading it yeah and i mean you know like the game itself even though it doesn't give you any context or anything i guess like you know the the map itself is gigantic enough that you could just kind of build your own explanation for things and, and lore and stuff like that, right? And that's half the fun. It's like that's the fun of those Dark Souls games, right? You just experience the lore in the world. There's no, like, actual coherent story. Um, I, I, I guess you could say that. Um, it's a I joke. I'm they're... making a joke, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just trying to trying to be nice about it. Uh, well, I also do jokes aside. I think that there is a there is a happy medium between... Depending on the kind of story, like a Pokemon game, you know the story, you're trying to be a Pokemon trainer, but you sort of tell it as you go. I guess it's not really that you're you're making up the story and coming up with the story yourself, but it's like... No, but there's at least the like context exposition issue. and like yeah, things yeah. that are said in the game. Uh, totally. But I do... I, I get what you're saying. The game itself is a uh, side-scrolling... Uh, I'm going to call it like platformer, but it's also kind of like a dungeon crawler, right? Because it's just this one giant dungeon... 
that all takes place underground that you just kind of have to navigate yourself through. I'm not quite sure what a dungeon crawler is, but would, it, would either of you back me up on that? As someone who's also not quite sure what a dungeon crawler, specifically what you would define it as, yes, I'll back you up on that. It, it seems like you crawl through dungeons. I, I'd call a dungeon crawler something more similar to like a, almost like a Diablo, so I, I wouldn't say that's what this is, but um, it's definitely a platform RPG hybrid. Right, right. Okay, I, I'm happy with that description. And, you know, we mentioned that you play as these six family members, and obviously they all have, like, unique traits and different characteristics that help explore this underground dungeon. But before we talk about the family members and all that stuff, pretend you're playing as just the most generic version of any of these characters. Let's talk about this this gigantic underground cavern because i feel like that's always what we're going to wind up going back to that is where most of the game takes place that is like the experience of being in that dungeon and and trying to find your way around it so can i just get some thoughts uh maybe sean we'll start with you on just navigation and how like how exploration works in this giant underground cavern um yeah it's got uh it's an interesting mix of uh, of like gameplay mechanics and uh, level design here, uh, where it, it has some similarities to like a Mario, and it has some similarities to like a top-down Zelda. Um, the like the orientation is very it's very side scroller uh, in that like up is like up and not north. Um, but a lot of the mechanics seem to be designed for like an up is north kind of game, like at more of a top down thing. Um, but basically it's just a really big labyrinth and, uh, you have to collect, um, collect keys, you have to collect power ups in order to interact with certain things in order to get around and eventually slay this dragon. Um, and, uh. Yeah, I think that's 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 pretty much the the basics of it. Absolutely, Joe. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, so I'll also say that I think they did a good job of aesthetically making making it feel like there are different sections of this dungeon. So, like, I I know when I'm oh I'm in that green section with all the ladders, and I'm in the section with all you know that looks really dark, and you know that like fiery red section and whatnot, and and it makes it feel like you're progressing through. But I, th- I had this weird like back and forth of like whether I thought it, the areas felt unique or not, and I think what I landed on is that the areas look unique, but I, I think as far as like dungeon design, like the most of the game feels kind of the same, which I thought was a, a little bit a little bit annoying to me because there's there was such a big world and there were so many different locations but it always felt like you're doing the same thing and there was not like too much that was unique as far as like gameplay or like i don't know it just all felt like sort of if you were if you were to skin it all similarly it all felt like you're in like one place does that make any sense yeah yeah like it's all coded um so that you can know where you are in relation like if you are somebody that has made a map or is following a map like this isn't like the game we played last week where mo- most of the areas have sort of the same uh the same 
visual aesthetic and kind of makes everything look samey. Um, in this, it's it's more like that. There's enough uniqueness to make it visually distinct for like a utilitarian purpose, but uh, there isn't a lot of uniqueness in terms of uh, how like to make it feel like a, a world and not just a maze. Yeah, so exactly. I, that's what, kind of what I wanted to go off there, Sean. That's a good point. You know, there's no um, there's no real like aha moments early on or sense of discovery. You can go through a large amount of this maze without anything like spectacular happening to you. Like, yeah, enemies will drop stuff, and you you know you might you might get like keys and things that you're like, oh, I wonder what these keys do. But when you're playing a uh, another game that just kind of drops you in the middle and says like, "Hey, go explore this stuff," I'm talking about the Legend of Zelda, right? It it's not like you're like lost forever in the in in the sense of what do I do now? Like, okay, I got the sword from the old man. Like now I can go anywhere on the map. It's like no, you can kind of like go to this area and we're kind of guiding you towards this particular dungeon. But it's okay if you find one of the other two dungeons in, in Legacy of the Wizard. There are really no clues and no real design rhythm to the map itself that, like, forces you to go to a particular thing that is, like, interesting. And, and even if that was the case, it doesn't happen quick enough, you know? It, it just is one of those things where you could be going for a while, find a something, and then it's like, oh, but I actually I didn't bring the right family member. Like, this, this puzzle's not for them. And that that was kind of like a there's like a weird balance here. Is the map itself just too large? Yeah, and this is a huge map. Um, I think it's bigger than Zelda. Um, and like, yeah, there isn't enough distinctness to it to make like because this game is uh, designed for multiple playthroughs or runs or like whatever you would call a different. Um, a different run through with another family member. Um, but there really isn't a lot that makes me want to do this more than once to go through these rooms more than once. Um, because once you know the trick, you know, the trick, if there is one, and there's a lot that are just like, so annoyingly, uh, laid out to me at least that I, there was a lot of times where I kind of just like sighed when I had to play through it again. Um, so I think, yeah, that's where I come from on that. Yeah, I think that if you are going to make it this big, I don't think that's a problem as long as you as long as you make the areas feel distinct. Like I want I want one area to be, you know, oh, this is where it's more puzzly and this is where it's more, you know, where you got to think about things this way specifically in this area. Oh, and this area is a little harder. You know, the enemies, there's these interesting, unique enemies here. But it's just like everything felt like the same. And, and that just makes the, the map feel way too big. Yeah, this had my, like, my problem with the original Metroid that we went over in that episode long ago. Uh, it has it, like, amplified times 10 because, you know, in Metroid, I guess my, my complaint to that was that you, since there's no, like, general sense of direction and it's up to you to explore, like, that's half cool and half tedious of, like, trying to actually figure out where the item that you need is at any particular moment because the game's not pushing you in um in any sense in this game there's not even like the unlockability component because the keys are freely given out by enemies and the only way you find out like oh i don't have the right thing is by finding out that you don't have the right character for the puzzle and if you're going to do something like that the switch out system should probably be like 
a lot simpler than uh, than what they proposed. Yeah, yeah, they've got those they've got those inns throughout, and you can you can change your items in the inns. And, and I wish that you were able, I, you know, maybe it doesn't doesn't make narrative sense, but I wish that you were able to change your player at the inns rather than have to any time you want to switch, you have to go back to the beginning of the game. Gotta love backtracking for the sake <laughs> of backtracking. So how much did you backtrack? How much were you like, all right, I, I will continue. Uh, I'm glad I found this thing. I'm going to go all the way back and do it with the correct person this time. I I didn't have enough direction to know when I should do that because there are so many weird situations in the design of this catacomb that, like, just poking at walls or poking at ceilings, like that, that'll be, like, these hidden areas. I didn't know when I was done with a certain character. Um it was just hard for me to tell, like, when I should go back. Yeah, I, I did a little bit of it because at first I just started out, just I played as the, the dad first and then realized pretty quickly that I, I ran into, like, a block I couldn't pass. I knew I was from, I knew from the manual and from reading up on it a little bit I needed to get the gloves. So then I pretty quickly went back and switched to the dog, quote-unquote dog, who's, like, apparently not a dog. But um, Hold on, hold on. Uh, the description of uh pochi is it acts like a dog but it is really a monster the other monsters don't bother pochi yeah which which i thought that was actually kind of an interesting and and a decent mechanic in the game where if you want to play as pochi you you don't have to work enemies can't hurt you like have we had a yeah. game that that's given you like the option to just go through like the whole main portion of the map in, with invincibility, basically. Because it, it gave me, first of all, incentive to play first as Pochi and get whatever items I needed, uh, namely the gloves, and I think I ended up getting something else with Pochi, but also, like, explore and get to know the map safely. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've, I don't think we've run into this specific thing, but I do like the idea of, like, these characters actually having like unique benefits that are more than just like uh more than just a tweaked stat like a jump or power of an attack or something so i thought that the implementation of pochi was at least unique (laughs) exactly yeah there should have been more pochi uh you know, like, simil- <laughs> there should have been more pochies in this game. Not even in the sense of, like, more pets or anything like that, but just what they did with pochi was really cool because it affects the entire dungeon, like Joe's talking about. That's like your, he's your scout, you know? You bring him down there and you figure out where to go and what what's what, and then you go, okay, cool, I'll come back here with this character, or okay, I'll save this for later, or don't go this way, it's a dead end, you know? Like, pochi's really cool for figuring those things out. The other characters are really just used for, like, specific puzzle solving moments which doesn't feel as useful in the grand scheme of the dungeon it'd be really cool if each character had elements that like affected the overall way that they go through the map and i understand like yes some of them have like different jump heights and you know different strengths and stuff like that but i'm talking about like actually affecting the the map itself in some way that makes it easier for and harder for those specific characters to navigate yeah, yeah, I po- guess the Pochi's- other example would be that the father can move the blocks after using the gloves. Um, I think that that's like a, a big enough switch to how you play the game to for, for him to qualify. But the rest, yeah, they're just uh, they're just stat tweaks. 
Yeah, I feel like Pochi the 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 advantage you get from playing playing Pochi is 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 so much more organic where it's just like it it just like you said it changes the it changes the game whereas like I think even the dad and the other ones where it's like you get the advantage from the dad of moving the blocks but the developers placed those blocks in places you know so it's like feels like it's like well we put this obstacle here so you can have oh, yeah. someone that has to get through it which is yeah which is totally a valid you know game design choice but it's just uh it just doesn't feel quite as significant as the pochi thing and then even you know some like characters where it's like oh this person's yeah with i think with the daughter you can jump on enemies and like there's other things that help you dispatch enemies more easily but did we really ever have too much trouble fighting the enemies in the first place in this game <laughs> you know which if almost almost invalidates because my whole of pochi how idea. many of them were there <laughs> right it'd be cool if uh, not to harp on this subject, but since you were suggesting stuff like that, Joe, it'd be cool if, like, instead of the dad's ability to, like, move blocks, if he got, if he was, like, a digger instead and he could, like, dig new holes to get to, you know, create new access points between the map that, like, another character could use, you know, now that you've made that hole. Like, I mean, that that's mm-hmm. not possible probably in an NES game, and I'm really, like, leaning on my Steam World dig knowledge here, but... I think something like that would also be a cool way of affecting the maze through through character yeah. powers, you know, as opposed to just being like, well, now he he's the only one who can solve this puzzle thanks to his gloves. Right. <laughs> well, I, I guess also the mom has because she can fly, right? So she can just go in three D space anywhere on the map. I think it takes away magic to do that, but it, but that's like a pretty significant thing. She can go in three D space. Well, you can go I'm two. Kidding. I guess two. D, you can go up. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. On top of um, all of the hard to navigate sections of the game, you know, there's there's dead ends. There's there's pits that you can fall into. They're not um, they're not like pits of death though, right? I mean that they will do damage to you, but they just lead to new areas, which then you can't get back to the previous areas. And then there's also like hidden areas that you're supposed to kind of organically find, but you know, sometimes it's just like, well, that's sh- that's a block, and it should block my path, but I can actually. Turns out, I can walk right through it. Like, it's hard to know these things are happening, and I feel like all of these things sound like cool ideas if they were used, you know, like as one-offs, right? Like, it'd be cool if there was a dead end once, right? Like, oh, you went the wrong way. Like, <laughs> cool, I'm done with that. <laughs> no, it's like you know, programming that stuff, the pits and and the hidden areas, like programming that stuff frequently throughout the map then just becomes like a thing you check for now all the time. Yeah, it ended up being that the way I'd navigate this game was just pushing up against every wall, every ceiling that I could find, and I I don't like doing that. It, um, it It's sort of like the, the anti-fun for me. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, it, it makes it a much more challenging puzzle, or a much more challenging maze. Yeah, this is something that bothered me a lot because it's just something we see so often on the nes and like i don't really understand why there's so many like just completely invisible paths that are necessary to complete games <laughs> like back then i, I it just it, it it makes me you know feel like i i would never want to try and beat this game without a without a guide and, and i hate having to like look for after every step, check the guide and make sure I've gone the right way. You know, like that—that's I think the way that guides 
suck <laughs> you know there's like there's like a way that a guide can be used where it's like oh well this guide is a is a nice compliment to it but other times it's just like why am i even playing this game it feels like a chore to just be like fouling instructions yeah yeah i think like they they have an idea of selling this game as like you know, oh, but you'll go like out to recess and talk with the other kids who are also playing this game, and you'll share like you know where you found your hidden walls and stuff like that. And that's a cute picture for people who want to believe that that happened to them in the eighties. You know, like that they, <laughs> that they want just, to believe, right? You know, like yeah, they just they just think that like they always discussed secrets. Like try describing a secret that you found in this game to another kid without a map. You know, like just try being like, so I was in this room and it was pink. And then there was this blue block, but turns out it's not, uh, you know, it's not actually a block. You can go through it. Like, no one's going to know what you're talking about. So, in reality, the, the real thing of the game is, like Joe was mentioning, is, like, it's to call the Nintendo Power Hotline. It's to, it's to buy the strategy guide. It's to do, you know, it's to do stuff like that. These games add these extra elements that essentially become, as Sean's mentioning, they become, like, checklists. Like, go in every room and make sure you push up against the walls. Did I, did I find the secret one? Yeah. Well, one other thing that I want to mention about this game is uh, like the moment-to-moment gameplay. This, th- the design of the labyrinth does not seem to be uh, coherent or, or like copacetic with the like physics in this game. Um, like your jump and the like how um, how precise your movements are don't seem to really mesh well with how tight a lot of these corridors and tight these jumps are. It it seems a lot of the times that, like, in order to get into parts of this map, I'm I'm trying to, like, wrestle with the game itself to, like, get into this little hole. It seems, like, very not how it was designed, and I'm almost, like, going to where I'm not supposed to be, but that's sort of just how it is. Did you guys feel this way when you were playing? Yeah, specifically when you're jumping into a one-tile space. Yeah. yeah, I was getting that a lot. It has to come down with the fact that they designed everybody to have, like, a somewhat different height jump, but then they didn't, uh, you know, like, they didn't account for all of those different types of characters going through this maze, you know? It seems like, uh, I get that, like, you know, the, some of the puzzle portion is like, well, make sure you have somebody who can jump really high for this or or not, you know, but... It's. It seems like, to your point, Sean, about not not being intuitive. I feel like when I had the, I think the daughter is the highest jumper, and yeah. when when you play as her, it she just feels. It's like it should feel floaty, right? You should feel like you're able to like jump and land wherever you want to and stuff like that. But instead, you're like hitting ceilings or hitting platforms that you shouldn't be having in the way, you know. And then there's the weird implementation of fall damage. Like, this this game, in order to, like, actually maneuver around it, and maybe this is, like, oh, you're supposed to just play as the mom who can, who can, who can fly her way down. But, like, there are so many parts of this game where, like, in order to get to the next screen, you just have to fall, like, three screens down. And it's not a lot, but you do take damage when that happens. And even more bizarrely, uh, it, it's got a very um short amount of vertical distance that you have to clear in order to like get that fall damage so it it, that also felt really wacky to me i looked into it and the fall damage is in response to the highest the character can jump 
So if you fall further than the highest point that the jump, character can jump in tiles spaces, you know, then like it counts as fall damage. And to your point, for most characters, that's going to be fall damage most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> But did you guys ever, how often did you guys feel in danger of losing all your life? <laughs> like, there was a point, a period of time where I just started to realize, like, I'll just take the fall damage. I, I have no <laughs> idea how much life I have. Was I missing something, or is there no way to tell? There's absolutely I mean, there's a way a to life tell. Bar, I'm pretty sure. There's a life bar in the top corner, but it's it's filled up several times. So, you, so your yeah, life bar fills like up each- all... Each yeah. top bar is one of is like a full each each top like little unit is a full bar on the bottom, but the amount of damage that any given enemy doles out seems to be kind of random. And I think that a lot of that randomness comes from like that this game doesn't really have iframes that I could that I could tell. So just sort of intersecting with an enemy for a little too long will give you multiple chunks. Uh, uh, I I feel really dumb. I did not realize that like each yeah each red peg. I'm looking at it right now. Each red peg clearly is like how many blue bars you have. Oh yeah, that's, so that actually that's tells how the you magic quite works. A bit. That's how the gold works. But, but yeah, I didn't even. I just thought that was just two bars of health. I don't know why I didn't <laughs> just, like wonder why one was red and one was blue. That's actually so obvious now. I feel I feel uh, I feel stupid. We'll edit that out. The, no, the red one <laughs> is your kidding. blood, and the blue one is your soul. And it's like you have oh, to, you know, yeah, you have to keep your vitality and your soul alive. <laughs> That's not true. Don't like play it. the game that way. See, th- see, it's funny that I didn't get this because it's actually very Kingdom Hearts, like Kingdom Hearts two onwards, kind of how like enemy health bars sort of look. Yeah, uh, bringing it home to the KH. Yeah, gotta, gotta bring it up. Joe, I feel like what you what you want to talk about next is the combat. You've been teasing that it's kind of easy <laughs> and dull. And, you know, the character that you pick is supposed to play a role in the combat of this game, right? Uh, they have different stats and stuff like that. Did you, did you feel like that at all? Like, they, they all have projectile weapons, right? So at the end of the day, everybody does kind of, except for Pochi, right? He doesn't, because he doesn't have to take damage anyway. But He just walks around. Right. But the other Wait, no, he, he does have a weapon. He has, like, a yeah. melee attack, though, right? It's like a... Oh, is that only a one-frame thing? But I think yeah. that uh, also the father's... I mean, I guess it's technically projectile. It goes, it goes like, a tile ahead of you and then disappears. But it's it's not like some of the projectile weapons you see later with, with other characters. But the enemies aren't necessarily menacing. They, you know, like, they will, they will charge at you, I suppose, but they don't really, like, attack... It feels kind of weird. It feels like we're intruding in on their land. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, the combat system that they have in place here is also weird because you don't know how sometimes how many times it, it's going to take to hit a certain person to kill them off because even same enemy class types will take, like, this one took three, but the next one will only take one hit. And then the next one's going to take two hits. It's like it always felt random. Did you guys Did you guys experience that at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I never really knew, I never really knew, I guess, or like was able to keep enough track to like be like, oh, these are the guys that take three hits. These are the guys that take five. So maybe, I mean, it's possible I just didn't notice, but also I I think that that also speaks to how like, yeah, the enemies, some of them are designed differently, but similar to the, to the rooms, like none of them do much that's that different. 
There's nothing. There's not many that you have to think about a different way of how to take on this enemy. Like, oh, that one might be a little faster than that guy, and this guy goes in a different direction. But like, for the most part, they all just kind of walk back and forth. Yeah, you really just have to pay attention to like the different archetypes. Like, this is going to be one that will just patrol a certain platform. This is one that is sort of like uh, removed from the constraints of the map and can go anywhere. There are the ones that are like they'll go into like a hot pursuit if you end up being close, but that like those like five or whatever kinds of enemies uh, end up covering like fifty, uh, maybe not fifty, like a dozen or more different like unique sprites, unique enemies. So it, yeah, yeah, it was hard for me to tell. Maybe the other difference is how much how much damage they make or how much damage yeah. they can take. But like, if you take that and like think about now, like a, like like the simplest Mario level you can think of, you're probably gonna have Goombas, which you just jump on regularly. You're gonna have Koopa Troopas, which you gotta hit twice, and you kick the turtle shell, and that makes you think about them a little differently. You're gonna have the fire flowers that that shoot fireballs at you, and there's just different ways of thinking about. There's reasons for these enemies to be different. We're here, like I'm just watching right now, and like. All the enemies I'm seeing on screen in this video I'm watching are just walking back and forth. There's one that's like hopping, but like you don't hey, there's deal no with them in any ones. different way. Right? I forgot about that yeah. kind. But it makes Kudos me wish that there was, you know, like maybe less enemies, right? And it was more about navigating and exploring uh, and solving these puzzles, but also the maze itself. And then there were like sections where, like, you know. Oh, this this room's filled with like meaningful enemies that do some damage. So make sure you bring like your strongest character, or you know, this is a you know, because like, I think there's a couple bosses in the game too. But it'd be cool if like some rooms were just like small mini boss fights with like a particular enemy that takes like a bunch of shots to kill. And you know, I guess I'm describing a boss fight. So I just want more boss fights. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think at the end of the day, the enemies that they lay out throughout every single stage just become another part of the tedious thing that you have to do in each room. Like, check the walls, check check where, you know, like if you have the correct character and oh, please take care of all these enemies even though they pose no threat to you. Yeah, and I guess another thing that they do, like some of the enemies can be used as platforms, which can can be used in the puzzle-solving element of it, but they just seem to be so randomly placed that it doesn't really matter that much. Like, yeah, you're going to find the ones that you probably need somewhere in the vicinity of the puzzle, um, but it doesn't feel as, like, as polished as it could have. One thing I wanted to mention about, uh, uh, can we talk about the, the pickups just a little bit? Yeah, totally. We're, we're good for that. Cool. Um, this is just a, a skin deep sort of thing, but the pickup that gives you more health just looks like a pair of butt cheeks. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say on it. Thank you Essential. for that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah? Okay, my, that was my first thought. <laughs> Was it really, or are you just picking? <laughs> no, I really do good? agree. I, you know, I sound like I'm being like <laughs> dickishly sarcastic, but I really was being serious. Um, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I like the idea of the like of the items and, and the way that like you know certain characters use use different items and 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 you have to like if you if you plan it out properly you can you can or if you look at a guide like I did you can you know make it work out in a way where it's like you get you play as the dog and you get all the items that you need for the father so then you can switch to the father and like complete pretty much his journey with the items that you need and while you're doing that get the items you need for for the mother and then you you grab use those items and like in different ways and it, it it gives you if you're using a guide you can you can just go through and like optimize uh what you're doing and if you're not using a guide it's it was a good at least a good attempt at like giving you this feeling of like discovery where it's like oh like i now i've got this thing i wonder if i can if i can go back and play as the father and like to bring it back to another game i bring up all the time ratchet and clank that was one of the things I loved about the original Ratchet and Clank, where it was like I felt like I could I go to this planet and that like suddenly opens up something on this other planet I've already been to, and I can go back there and start doing something, and I get this item that I'm like, oh, this will unlock something on this other place. And it's a lot of backtracking in like a good way, and I felt like this could have scratched that itch. Um, I do think that it was a little bit lacking in how you use these items that like didn't make it you know quite as unique as i liked but i but i really did appreciate that that little bit of like thought into why you would play this character first and then go back to play another character yeah Uh, all right, so let's talk about the characters because we've been, you know, mentioning their usefulness and stuff like that. But actually, like, you know, the six characters and the uniqueness of them, compare it to, say, Super Mario Brothers 2, right? Where you could pick between Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Peach, right? Or Princess Toadstool. And that's it. Like, you're locked to them for that particular level, but they all clearly can clear the stage and they have, like, this one cool thing that they do. Did it feel like that with the six characters? Like, obviously, there's no, like, levels or anything like that, but did it feel like there was enough uniqueness between the six of them that you'd be like, oh, well, maybe I'd like to do another playthrough where I start as the sun, or is that just, like, not a realistic expectation here? For me, it's not, um, but I I can see how somebody playing this game in its time might might think that. like, that, that's like not a it's obviously not like a new concept in like replayability of game um, re- replayability in games um, but I think that the first playthrough has to be has to have a few less frustrations for me personally for me to want to do that <laughs> yeah and and I think as far as the comparison to Super Mario Brothers 2 goes, I feel like they were trying to do such very different things. Like like you said, Mike, in, two, in Super Mario Brothers 2, you could beat any stage with any player, with any character, rather. Um, whereas this, like, I, the whole point seemed to be, like, you need to use certain characters for certain things, so you have to, like, figure out their strengths and figure out where where one can get that others can't. Um, so, like, so no, I don't, I don't feel like it felt the same way as Super Mario Brothers 2, but I also don't necessarily think it was trying to. Um... But if we're just looking at them on, like, the face value of, like, hey, they each have different abilities, I think that, like, the different abilities felt a little better in Super Mario Bros. 2 
than here. Uh, but I mean, uh, you know, honestly, I'm already like not sure that I fully believe that. I mean, there's some interesting, like like we were talking about the the dog and this. Like, there are some interesting things. It's just maybe not surrounded by as good of a game. I think what it came down to for me though too is like, and we we talked about this briefly. When you find out that you don't have the right character, there's like almost a moment where you realize like, oh, I have to I have to go back and get the other character that just makes you kind of want to, at least me, made me kind of want to, like, put down the game. It's, like, not even if it was a good game, bad game, whatever, just, like, the fact that you would have to backtrack all your progress and, like, do everything you just did again just to get to the next character and do it all again with them, but now, like, you figured out that you have the right thing. And knowing that it was just going to be a matter of time before you get to another scenario where it's, like, even though you swapped that time, now, oh, you need another new character. Something about that loop isn't, uh, you know, I just don't even know if, like, they've tested that enough to figure out, like, hey, this is, we're asking the players to do a lot here. You know, like, the, it, it, it seems like there should have been another way to meaningfully take the uniqueness of the characters and make it matter in the dungeon more than just, like, exceedingly you know, like, larger and larger as you continue to uh, explore the map, exceedingly larger and larger amounts of time backtracking as you continue to go further down. Yeah, that's sort of why I had that, like, train of thought when, like, when we were talking about, like, when do you know when to go back? Or like, yeah, you've got this pickup now. Um, like, do you go back or do you continue to search? That I think that may have, like, colored my instinct to just keep trying because I really didn't want to go back and restart everything. Um, uh, so I, I'm in the same boat as you with that. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree also. And I, I think that like a way that they could have done it that would have been more bearable to me, much more bearable to me, is if it was designed in such a way that like there's always something for me to do at that dead end with the character I've chosen or like beyond that. You know, maybe I see the door that I can't get through without without the dad, but while I'm playing as the, you know, as the daughter... I'm like, okay, I see that. I can move on and still go do something that I need to get done and then remember to come back here. And, like, there'd probably have to be some some interesting stuff along the way that'll be different playing as the father than the daughter that, that'll still make me want to come back and do it all again. But, like, to just hit that dead end and then realize, like, realize, like, oh, shit, like, that was all for nothing. I had to come back and do it all again with another character is, is kind of a spirit breaker. Joe? Uh oh! Did you lose me? You are the father. Oh, <laughs> wow! I thought you—I thought you lost connection with me or something. You're like Joe right after my. <laughs> Sorry, he—he he lost connection with you, his father. Right, right. <laughs> there are four boss fights, and then I guess like a final boss fight. So there's five boss fights. I have a tough time talking about boss fights today, and it's only going to continue because. I don't really know how to talk about these boss fights except for that, like, all the complaints we had about the regular enemies no longer matter because your combat now sucks compared to the bosses. Like, the bosses are really hard in this game, and they're just doing so much more damage and every. They're just doing so much more of everything than the enemies were. And it's kind of like, hey, what the heck? Like, the, you know, first it was too easy, now it's too hard. I, I'm not having a good time, man. Yeah, there's way too much of a discrepancy between, like, the standard combat and boss combat. Um, I, I Like, I usually I would 
I would think that a, a boss is sort of like what you've been doing throughout the game. It's a challenge to like it's challenging your skills that you've been playing with like at a at a like in a smaller scope throughout the game. And it's just like a completely different game in that in that way. I so I admittedly only faced I think two of the bosses. But I thought that they were very you just shoot, 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 shoot. Like, first of all, there was no design of like, oh, they, they, you got to f- recognize their pattern or whatever. It was just hit them more times than they hit you as quickly as possible. Yeah, but Am you didn't find something? yourself taking a lot of damage? I found myself taking a lot of damage, but I always found... I mean, so both times I fought the bosses, I, de- I, I went to an inn first and got my life back. And then I just went in there and just rammed the the attack button and just watched both of our life drain, but the boss <laughs> drained before mine. It's and great I, strategy. I, so I'm actually surprised to hear you guys say that, but maybe it's because I healed beforehand that it was... I'm thinking that has to be what it is, because I didn't yeah. heal beforehand. Um, but obviously, like that would be the correct strategy. I just yeah, think... that's our fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, at the end of the day, I guess I just... It's not that they're, like, impossible boss fights. I just think it's funny how, like... All the other enemies in this game are so inconsequential and, like, the worst thing that can happen is they just run into you. But then the boss fights come out and, like Sean was saying, they just kind of remembered that there should be boss fights in this game. (laughs) You know, like, they're not really teaching you anything about, you know, like, new tricks you've learned or specific to the environments you've been dealing with or specific to the character you're playing as. So it's just like, oh, yeah, we have this piece of a crown that needs to be guarded. Might as well put a dragon here. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. And it's funny though because with doing it with full health then I guess is is the big difference, but but my experience with this is like a boss battle is like a little 5 second, literally 5 second detour of just like kill the boss and then it's like wow. and then you just fly back to the place or whatever. Um <laughs> I don't know, later bosses maybe get maybe get more health or something, but I can't imagine that they have like boss patterns because the first two had no boss patterns at all. It was just they like don't standing have they don't have any boss patterns. <laughs> yeah. All right. There's one thing I wanted to talk about that maybe we should have talked about at the beginning, but I feel like it's funny that we're going to mention it now after we've talked about so much of this game. But there's that moment, probably within like the first five minutes of the game, that I I feel like my brain registered, but I didn't really register. And then as I was writing down notes for the game, I was like, oh yeah, like that was a thing. What did you guys think about when you first go down to the cavern, right, in the dungeon, and you find out that, like, that's all there is? It's just this, the whole game is just this cavern. Something about, like, leaving your house and going to the, like, the the top part of the game where it's, like, the overworld and everything. I felt like I naturally stumbled into this cavern and thought, like, oh, I'll just take a detour here and see what's down here. But the fact that, like, the whole game is underground and that there's not much <laughs> happening in the overworld is just like an interesting thing, right? It's like a different, it's like a, oh yeah, there could have been a whole nother thing going on with this game above ground. Yeah, I mean, I actually tried to go to the right first, and then I tried to go to the left, and then only when I realized that, like, the overworld of this game is just your house, I was like, okay, fine, <laughs> I'll go into the catacombs or whatever. Uh, so yeah, right off the bat, I I realized that um, this is all there is. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of the same way. I went, I went to the yeah, I went to the left, 
There was nothing there. But I, I only skipped over that ladder because I was like, well, I don't feel like going into a dungeon just yet. I want to explore the world <laughs> a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay, the, I'll, I'll just go into this dungeon for the entire game. Uh, but I don't also don't think it's like a terrible. I think it's a it's a it's a cool idea. You know, it's just one it's large dungeon. I don't think it's a bad thing. It just was like you said. It was just like not expected at all. <laughs> So just to get into sequels and spinoffs for a second, um, you know, I mentioned early on that this is actually a Dragon Slayer game. Uh, I don't think we got any of the Dragon Slayer games before this. So rather than uh, just call it Dragon Slayer, which I guess could have made sense, but uh, they didn't want to call it Dragon Slayer 4, obviously. So it became Legacy of the Wizard. And it seems like in the Dragon Slayer, like, series of games, right, most Dragon Slayer games become, like, series of their own like they get spin-offs and stuff but dragon slayer 4 did not get any um dragon slayer 1 uh had like dragon slayer gaiden released in 92 dragon slayer 2 is actually xanadu which we'll get to play as um i'm not sure if i'm gonna say this right but that game that famous nes game fax xanadu that everybody keeps saying like oh if you guys love zelda you'll love fax xanadu um so, you know, we will experience more games in this Dragon Slayer series on the Nostalgia Exploration. But it's also kind of interesting that there's, like, this whole Dragon Slayer timeline that I just is unfamiliar to me. It's like, again, I've heard of the series. But if you told me, like, you know, Sorcerian or Lord Monarch or Dragon Slayer Jr., I'm like, I've never heard of these games. Joe, Sean, anything ring a bell? You're just saying, like, syllables <laughs> right now. Yeah, n- none of this at all. Even Faxanadu, though? Fa- oh, Faxanadu, like, yes. I've never... Is that like Fax... Like F-A-C? Faxanadu? F-A-X. F- Faxanadu, okay. Like a so I, I've only heard... Of, I, I recognize the name, and I actually just recently just kind of like picked it up for like a second, played like the first like five minutes of it. You're playing it. It did look actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I, once in a while I'll, you know, I'll check out, a, I'll check out an it. NES game, you know? You stop it right now. <laughs> oh, shit, I didn't. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, just like from looking at these, uh, at these other Dragon Slayer games, they all seem to be side-scrolling action RPGs. So I could only imagine that, like, you know, it's not like they would decline in quality a- as time goes on. They probably learned from the other ones. So it makes me wonder, like. I would love to just go back and play the original Dragon Slayer in comparison to this because it's just essentially like a a um, an earlier version of this game that we have here, you know, which just feels odd to say. An earlier version of an early game. <laughs> and that's really all I have uh, for Legacy of the Wizard, a.k.a. Dragon Slayer 4, a.k.a. Dragon Slayer part of the xanadu series um (laughs) but we have to figure out if uh you know this particular dragon slayer game will make it onto a a list that we call the essential games list joe 
last episode, I saved you for last. This episode, you're going to go first. What are your oh, thoughts great. on uh, Legacy of the Wizard? So coming into this episode, I, in my head, was like, okay, I, I've got plenty of good things to say about this. And, and, and I still kind of... I still did do think that this game has a lot of positives for it. But man, doing this episode and like listing all the negatives out with you guys really made me realize like there's a lot more negatives than I was like thinking when I played the game. But it doesn't take away from the fact that I that I actually did enjoy it. Like I, I think I just enjoyed the idea of like of having um having these characters and having like we talked about having the reasons to to backtrack with them and, and, and find different items. And I think it was a really cool idea and it was nice to have these characters that, that had significant differences that, that actually made them play differently. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, there, there are obviously more negatives to the gameplay that, that kind of outweigh those positives. But, um, I don't think that would deter me from telling people to play it, but I, but it definitely deters me from putting it on the essential games list. It's just, it's it's just not the quite there. Sean, your thoughts? Yeah, th- this this game has a lot of unique stuff going on um, between like the just the size of it, the um, the the whole construction of of how the game is played with multiple characters and a, a big branching dungeon and uh, like the the mishmash of of gameplay elements that that they've implemented here. Uh, I have, so I have a lot of problems with this, with this execution, like we've been saying. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, if you're curious and, and want some, some kind of like RPG light platformer thing, um, I'd, I'd go ahead and give it a shot, but, um, I can't put it on the essential games list either. I think another thing that we forgot to mention is, some some most of the games that we've been playing in uh, 1989 have been you know shorter experiences a lot of them haven't like created tedious routes for us on purpose or anything like that they've sort of learned from the mistakes of the earlier nes games this one like goes back to a lot of and maybe it's because it is a younger game that's just now getting ported but there's just a lot of things here that could make this like dozens of hours of your time if you play without a guide you know like i really can't imagine somebody even coming close to beating this game without some help uh you know who knows what those children did in 1989 to to play this game and beat it you know i think of the children right no i'm just saying you know it's like did it even happen or did they just like was the fun just seeing how far you could get like it feels weird to say that because i don't think that would be fun and that's why for me it's not going to be on the essential games list it's a it's a gigantic game with very little reason to continue to push forward and um, i think under different circumstances maybe the characters could have been more unique maybe the map could have been more unique in terms of working with the characters see how like there's this theme of uniqueness because that's what gets you on the essential games list standing out and doing something that the the rest of the pack doesn't do um and unfortunately for this game i don't see anything here that represents that so it's not an essential game uh you know but we've had a lot we've had a lot of games so far in 1989 become essential games so i i'm not feeling a loss here are you guys i feel great shame (laughs) I'm just saying, in yeah. in 23 episodes in 1989, 
we already have three essential games. That's, you know, that's like every 10 games we get an essential. Yeah, and, and essentials that we weren't expecting, you know, essentials that we had never heard of. Absolutely. That, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, we also have next week another potential essential game. You could technically say the the following 600 games could all be essential. So who's uh, you know who we won't know until we play them. So next week we have Mappy Land. Uh, it sounds like a game for your Garmin, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna play it. And uh, Joe, any guesses on Mappy Land? Well, this is another one I, you know, maybe I, I know this one. I know of Mappy Land. Oh, okay. Did you play uh, the entire game before? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love Mappy Land. Uh, I, I think I've only watched the Game Grumps play it. I don't think I ever actually played it myself, but I, but I do know what it is. I, don't, I won't spoil it for you. That's fine. That's fine. Sean, the, the episode after that is Mystery Quest. Any ideas what the mystery in that quest is? <clears throat> um... I, I'm I'm assuming it's going to be like uh um actually no. I have nothing clever to say and I also have no idea what it could actually be. Well yeah, you're definitely gonna go on a quest, but of what kind is a mystery. Oh, there it is. I could have wrote the back of the box for them. <laughs> uh, you're definitely gonna go on a quest, but And the the last uh last episode we'll go into for future teases here is Predator which I can only imagine is a game based on the hit TV show uh, To Catch a Predator with Chris Hansen. <laughs> so I'm happy to go catch those kids. Uh, not the kids. No, don't catch the, the predators. Yeah, yeah, I forgot the point of the show. I forget it's the name of the title. It's in the title. Yeah, I forget, like, you know, who's really on oh, whose man. side in those shows. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Anyway, yeah, yeah, that's good. I bet you think that's good. Uh, why don't you sit? Why don't you sit down and have a seat, Sean? All right, <laughs> Michael Esposito, nostalgia. Uh-huh.